Hey, welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope today's message encourages you and reminds you that God is working in your life. Enjoy today's message. Good morning, everyone. How we doing? Good morning. Hey, Cape Coral. So good to have you with us. Uh, That music, that soundtrack is so like building and epic and... (laughs) I feel like I need to walk out differently with that music playing. Man, I better preach a good sermon after that music. Hey, stand to your feet. Come on. You know, this this past week is such an important week for us and our country. We we remember September 11th. And uh, I want to take a moment and just ask you as our church family, I want to honor our our first responders that are represented today. And so would you just join me in giving them a warm round of applause saying thank you, Kate, to you as well. So, you know, as a pastor, we... Pastors get invited into difficult moments, but not nearly at the ratio that first responders do. And there's a weight that that can be on uh, those that that serve our communities this way. And so I wanna pray over them. And I want us to unite our faith because uh, they they step into some of the worst uh, day after day after day, some of the worst situations. And so they need our prayers. They need us to point them to Jesus. And so let's bring them before the Lord. Lord, today, uh, we recognize, you know, even the importance of this week and remembering and not just moving past September 11th, but lamenting, allowing ourselves to slow down and remember. And so, Lord, we, we do so, and we do so, Lord, remembering that Lord, this is a a moment that in the worst of times, hearts reach out for you. And so, Lord, we we pray right now for for every first responder from our communities. God, I pray, Lord, that you would fill their path with the encouraging word of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who still removes burdens and exchanges peace what our lives hold and what our lives carry. And so, Lord, we, we ask that, Lord, that you would comfort, you would strengthen, and you would encourage, Lord, the families, the hearts of our first responders. Lord, thank you for them. And Lord, we want to honor you today. We want you to know that you will be lifted up as the source. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you for the truth of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before you sit down, I want to read a few verses from Colossians. We left off here last week. Colossians chapter 1, verse 11, Paul says this, We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is supreme. 
Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. So, Lord, just as a unified body, we say, God, reveal your word to us today. Lord, let it not be head knowledge, but revelation that fills our heart in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Church family in Cape, you may be seated as well. Man, it's going to be a good day today. Uh, It's already started good. Anna is with our two older kids. They've been in Colorado this weekend hanging out with some lifelong friends. And so it's been the quads and I just hanging out together. Now listen, I'm going to take a minute. I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to brag on myself right now. They've been fed. Some of them have even been bathed. Just don't ask them if they brushed their teeth this morning, because <laughs> I, I don't know how well that went. But they're here, they're dressed, they're somewhat clean. It's a good day. All the heavy lifting's been like, this is all gravy. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Make sure Anna watches this when she gets, she gets back. Uh, We started last week and we talked about how as we we jump into the subject of spiritual warfare, it is uh, foundational that we understand that as, as man and woman were created, God spoke purpose into them in the the first moments that they were uh, awake. And he said, you've been created to reign. You've been created to take dominion. These are words that were spoken in the garden. When everything was together, everything was what we would say perfect, and yet this purpose of God was there. See, sometimes I think that we get purpose twisted and we think that it's condensed to, to, you know, under like the sin nature and everything that we deal with in the word, in this world. But, But the purpose of God is so much greater than that. The purpose of God is eternal. What, what he wants to speak to your heart and mind is that he's created you to take dominion, to push back the kingdom of darkness, being an ambassador of the kingdom of light, and that purpose should fill us every single day. 
And there, there's a measure of living in that reality where our hearts are awake that God is wanting to, to stir in us today. Um, you know, we talked about that. We talked about setting a, a, a firm foundation and, 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 you know, going from this reality of taking uh, dominion. And as we did last week, I also want to start today. And I want to talk about the heart because, you know, I was ready to, to, to jump into um, you know, the New Testament describes three main enemies of our soul that, that we have, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so I was ready to do that. And I really felt the Lord just stop me and say, hey, we've got to be unified in the why. The heart place, the heart connection, why do we fight? Why are we in this battle? Why are we told to take dominion? Why has God purposed our lives to be in a battle? Why, why has he done that? And there, there has to be a heart connection. And you know, we're going to get real spiritual in this moment. We're going to go back to the same great theologian that we did last week, Rocky Balboa. He has some words on this. You remember in Rocky IV when, when Rocky's getting ready to go out and fight the Russian and Paulie's with him in the dress room and Paulie's just all overcome with emotion. And he says, you're all heart, Rock. And he kisses him on the cheek. Man, heart will make you do weird things. Paulie does that, and this is what Rocky says. Rocky says, to beat me, he's going to have to kill me. He's going to have to have the heart to stand in front of me, and to do that, he's got to be willing to die himself. Rocky Balboa. <laughs> you guys just inspired, like, ugh, just let Rocky just stir your spirit a little bit here. But there, there is a reality that you and I can be deadened in this life. That, that we, we don't live with, with empathy and we don't live with passion and we don't live with compassion because of, of just the noise and the busyness. And there's so many things that the enemy uses to deaden our hearts. You know, we see this in marriage. You, you get married and, and you see things, you have bucket list stuff that you, you have together and you want to do. And then, then you just get into the grind of life. And, and sometimes it's hard to see that stuff. And, and before you know it, like, you're just giving each other like little pecks, you know, like, see you later, love you. Like, I know the, the husbands in this room are going to be really excited when I say, hey, stir yourself beyond that. Feel free to ask yourself, like, hey, I know we give each other little kisses, but when's the last time that we made out? <laughs> like, wait, let's get some heart, <laughs> some heart moving in this thing. Let's get some passion stirred in this thing. You realize God created you to live with some passion. He created you to live with heart, to be fully alive. To be fully leaned in. And so we get in this walk with God and the enemy wants to deaden that and make it about religion. Make it about tradition and just, just this heaviness. And, and God wants to break through all of that by his Holy Spirit and speak purpose to your life. Because if you don't have a heart connection in this thing, if you don't know your why to the core of who you are, you're not ready for a fight. You don't have the why to step into a fight. And what's even more important than that is that in that fight, you would simply be on the defensive and not on the offensive like God's called us to be. The purpose of God is to step into this fight, not to let the fight come to us. 
And so we have to address the heart. We have to address the numbing. You know, I think some of the, the, the numbing that can happen is there's such an overload of, of news. Like more than any other time in history, we're aware of natural disasters and, and horrible things that happen on the other side of the planet. And there's this overwhelming volume of, of just bad news that's constantly there in front of us. And it can kind of wear you down where, where you, you hear so much and it's hard to, to live with good empathy. It's hard to live with compassion. It's hard to live and, and, and not stop and set in these moments. That's why weeks like this are so important. A week that we, we honor and that we, we stop and we slow down and we remember September 11th is so important because the hardening of our heart will just increase and get worse and worse unless we force ourselves to stop and to sit and remember and lament. You know, lamenting is so important that God put an entire book in his Bible entitled Lamentations. There, there's this hard part, and, and we don't like pain. We don't like to feel pain, and so we want to move past it. And I just want to submit to you that maybe if you and I would be willing to sit in our pain a little bit, God would speak purpose. And he wants to speak that purpose and to wake our hearts. Exodus chapter 13 is the picture for you and I. God is delivering his people from the slavery and the bondage of Egypt. And God says something as he's leading them out. And so these miracles have happened and, and, and God's people, the people of Israel, they're, they're together and they're moving out of Egypt. They're on their way. They're going to the promised land and they can see it. But God says something really important that I want us to take note of. Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. It says, when, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. Listen, these are the words of God, creator of heaven and earth, holding it all together. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. He, he said, it's there, it's theirs, it's what I've given them, but if they're, they're faced with a the battle, they're just gonna go back to Egypt. You see, there, there's heart work that comes first. There, there's a, a place in our hearts that God wants to stir and to, to make us alive into what he's called us to do and who he's called us to be that has to be done before we step into battles. God shut it down. He said, listen, you're, you're not ready to go. I got some work I got to do where, where your heart needs to be stirred for me. And we see this back and forth with the people of Israel, the children of Israel, that, that God's trying to make a heart connection with them. He says, I, I, I want to write my law. I want to write who I am on your hearts. And they're like, I, I don't know, God. Maybe just tell Moses and then he can tell us. And God says, that's not my plan. They said, well, but it's just, it's just too much. We like it that way. And, and you have this picture of man stepping into religion when God's invited them to relationship. Amen. Now here, the mercy and the, and the grace of God, he still meets us. He still meets us. His posture is like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be in for you. 
But I want you to see that there is heart work that has to be done. That's the first thing that I want us to see today. The heart work is first. Before we step into a spiritual battle, before we step into these things and we, we think, I'm, I'm going for the, God says, hey, let me work in your heart. Let me, let me connect your heart. Let me, let me stir your heart to a place where, where you, you don't recognize irrational things as irrational things. I mean, how easy is it to go back? You guys that are married, you can go back and look at those, those, those dating seasons and, and that, those, those first seasons where like rational thinking is out the window. <laughs> Ann and I got engaged on Valentine's Day of, of, in 2002. We were married on June 7th of 2002. And... In between that time, she was living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was living in Minnesota. And I made that trip. It's a 12 and a half hour drive. I made that trip, I think, eight times in that time. And it was all under the auspice of like, we have wedding planning to do. I was not driving that drive for wedding planning. There was no rational thinking in there. But, but I want you to, to see this because there's this place of our hearts being stirred where we recognize that the energy of my life, what I am doing with my life is not from my own authority, but I have been given a heavenly vision. I have purpose for my life that God has breathed, that he's wired me and created me for. And so I am ready to step into the fight. I am ready to live with endurance. I'm ready to stand firm in this because it's not about me. And I'm not even worried about what others would say. I didn't care what anybody else said, driving eight times to Oklahoma. I, I didn't worry about any of that. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew where I wanted to go. I knew who I wanted to see. Everything else was secondary. There was purpose, and my heart was connected to that purpose. So the thing we started, the heart work is first. The second thing I want you to know is the heart work is a battle. I said this last week that, that there's not three options in life. There are two options in life. You are either going to be in the kingdom of darkness or you're going to be a servant of the kingdom of light. There's no third option. The enemy wants to deceive and say, no, you are the third option. You, you know. It's what he did with Adam and Eve saying, hey, God might be holding out on you. He, he just doesn't want you to be as wise as he is. You're, you're strong enough. You got this. You have a, you, you've, got, you've got good wisdom. You've got this. It's the deception of the enemy that tries to tell the, the hearts of men and women that I can do this on my own. And so Ezekiel 28 is, is this, uh, it's this really interesting chapter. Ezekiel writes this prophetic word, and it's a prophetic word over the prince of Tyre. And then, and then Ezekiel goes into this, this uh, lament, and it's almost like a mocking lament. And it, he, he begins to talk about an anointed cherub, an anointed angel that was given a place in the presence of God. And so you can see the, the, this, these words where he's talking about a human man, but then he begins to talk about Satan and the spirit that he works into the hearts of men. And theologians go back and forth about, well, is he speaking to Satan or is he speaking to uh, the, the prince of Tyre? And, and, but what I want us to grasp today, it is the spirit of Satan working to fill the heart of man. 
Ezekiel 28 says this. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, say to the prince of Tyre, thus says the Lord God, because your heart is proud and you have said, I am a God, I sit in the seat of the gods in the heart of the seas, yet you are but a man and no God. Now listen to this first. Though you make your heart like the heart of a God. See, there's some buy-in here that God says, I'm going to hold you accountable because you are doing work. You are allowing your heart to go to the place that says, I'm all I need. There, there is a voice of pride working to, to the, this place of deception that, that, that you and I must be aware of to resist and to fight this battle that, that I'm not, not going to allow my heart to go to this place where I think for a moment that I need or I can live in this life without full dependence on Jesus Christ. So God says, you make your heart like a heart of a God. And then he says it again in verse 6. Therefore, there, thus says the Lord God, because you make your heart like the heart of a God. So we see this heart work that, that has to happen is a battle. It is a, a battle for you and I to keep our hearts. You know, it's why we do things like this, this last week, we had a week of fasting and prayer and we opened the campuses and guys in Cape, thank you for, for coming and praying the way that you did and here as well. And uh, we, we, did, we did a lot of great things. It was awesome. But the purpose of that is that we, we stop and we take time and we allow God to speak and we, we take responsibility to plow up the ground of our heart, to, to work on our heart being softened. This is the third place. The heart work is God's work. It's where we invite him to, to meet us and to soften our hearts. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3 says, This is what the Lord says to the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. Do not waste your good seeds among thorns, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Surrender your pride and power. Change your hearts before the Lord. Or my anger will burn like an unquenchable fire because of all your sins. God says, this is, this is our part. We can either be making our heart like the heart of a God that we see from, from Ezekiel or, or in Jeremiah. He says, plow up the ground of your heart. You know, it was, it was fun. We had tables uh, up at the, the front for communion. So as you came in to pray that you could, you could come and take communion. And they were, they were, it was a really pretty spread. If you were here, you saw it, but it was like a, a charcuterie board of communion. So on one side of the table, there was these beautiful loaves of bread and grapes, like clusters of grapes and this big goblet of juice. And it was just beautiful. Unless you have children, it's not beautiful at all. Because as soon as we got here, my kids begin to wear me out. Dad, can we get some of that bread? <laughs> and, and, and the way that uh, we did this that deceived me was that um, we had a, a big bowl. You know, like our, our communion elements that we use, that we, we peel them back, like those, those things. So we had, we had a bowl of that next to this beautiful board. And so as soon as we walk in, my kids are, are like, Dad, Dad. Can we get some of that? And I said, guys, it's for decoration. <laughs> it's pointing to, to the communion elements. So we'll take communion later. 
just every few seconds. Dad, Dad, can we please? Dad, just one grape. Just one grape. I'm like, guys, be spiritual. It's communion elements. It's just a display. So, so we got about halfway through the time and they just, they kept, kept going. And then Julia, who, who's on staff, y'all know Julia, she leads worship and, and just does an awesome job. Julia walks up in front of all of us and ruins it. She walks up and just, just rips off a big hunk of that beautiful bread and then dips it in the juice. And so what did I do as a godly spiritual father, recognizing that this was not just a display, this was for purpose? I doubled down. I, and Because all my kids look at me and they're like, Dad, look at Julia. What? And so, so I look at Julia and I'm like, Julia, what are you doing? It's just for decoration. It's a display. What are you doing? And Julia, poor Julia was like, oh, sorry. And went back to her seat and I told the kids like, no, you're not having any. And then we get to the end and um, I was holding out so strong. And then I look up at the front and we had all finished praying. And so everyone was kind of talking and just, just fellowshipping together. I look up at the front and my father has his mouth packed full of grapes, <laughs> making his lips all just huge and protruding. And he is talking to my children, making them laugh with his mouth full of grapes. Like, thanks a lot, Dad. Run this whole spiritual thing I was trying to do. Eat the bread, eat the grapes, it's too late. Your grandfather has ruined it for me. And so there was nothing left. <laughs> there was nothing left of that beautiful display. Why do we double down? Why do we double down when we know we're wrong? Why, why do we double down when we get in places and we know the response is full surrender and openness to God? Why do we still try to fight and, and, and keep parts of our lives under our control? This is the call. See, see today, I don't want today just to be a, a nice service and, and like we laugh and stuff. Like, it's good. But, but I want you to be able to ask God today, God, would you speak vision to my life today? God, I want to know that my heart sees and feels the why that you have called me. Why have you transferred me from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light? What's the Why? If I'm supposed to go fight battles and take dominion and rule and reign with you, what's the why? Like, it's got to be down in here. It can't just be head knowledge of us, you hearing scripture from me. There has to be a moment where our hearts are open saying, Holy Spirit, reveal your purpose, your vision for my life to me. This charge is repeated in Hosea. Hosea 10 Verse 12 says, I said, plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts for now is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. See, there's a reality that, that it's not church speak. You have been created to take dominion from the kingdom of darkness. 
do you see your life that way? Do you see, like, like this week, I, I got some time with some, some friends of mine and they, they work in, in the investment world. But I was so encouraged just getting to talk to them and they were, they were talking about the, the different things that they're, they're doing. And what I saw was a life integrated in submission to God and so there was no lack of the purpose of God in what they did. And I want you to hear what I do and what they do, that what they do is no less effective than what I do. Because the, the charge is a soft heart. The charge is full sub, submit, submission and obedience to God saying, God, here's my life. Lord, what do you see? What do you want me to see with it? And I love, I love just talking with them and, and we got to pray together and it, it, was, it was awesome. So I don't want you to see this as like, hey, if you're in ministry and, and you're a pastor, then that's, man, that's really the purpose of God. No, the purpose of God is found in submission to God. And so many believers that we, 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 we segment our lives and so submission to God looks like Sunday mornings and I'm gonna worship. And when God says, no, I created you with purpose, I wanna fill every part of your life. I wanna fill it with passion. I wanna fill it with my vision that the heart that I have for this earth, for the people around you would be impressed and that your heart would fill, be filled with that same heart be given the why. Acts chapter 26, I want to close with this. Paul is standing in front of what looks like power in those days. He, he's under guard, he's been arrested, and, and he's standing before a king named Agrippa. And it, it's, this, it's really a sad time when you see how Agrippa responds to Paul. Because you, you see his heart is stirred a little bit. And Paul, Paul is preaching the gospel. He, he is sharing the reality of Jesus Christ with Agrippa. And then he gets to this part in verse 19 and he says these words. He goes, therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And, and Agrippa didn't know what to do with it. But, but I want you to, to think about that. Do I live with heavenly vision? Do I have heavenly vision? Or am I living under the, the deadening and the depression of just the busyness and the volume of noise and news that, that, that has just deadened my heart to live with tenderness that God's called me to live with? Man, Anna and I, we still have, we still have great bucket list things. Like 20 years from now, 25 years from now, whenever, whenever the Lord releases me, like something we're going to do, Anna loves the country of France. And so someday we'll probably be in France, like south of France, like on a beach in the south of France. And we love to talk to each other like, like, babe, I'll get a, I'll get a job. Like I'll be one of those scuba guys that scrapes the barnacles off of boats. And like, we get all romantic about it. Like we'll live in our beach cottage and just, sorry. <laughs> And we love, we love to dream about that. But, but I want you to know that the purpose of God will be with me and filling me just as much there as it is today. 
And, and what I'm inviting us to and what God's wanting to stir our hearts to is an integration of your heart and his heart where he breathes his life and he sparks your spirit and you see the energy of your life in ways that you've never seen it before. Say, so, well, Josh, how do I do that? You ask. You plow the hard ground of your heart up saying, God, I'm not going to withhold any part of my life from you. God, would you give, would you speak heavenly vision to me? Nobody is moved by people that are stuck in passivity. We like, pa we like passionate people. Passionate people, are there, there's something to that. And I just want you to know, God has not called you. He did not send his son dying a bloody, painful, horrific death that no other soul, no other human would ever know the, the extent of the pain. He didn't do all of that for you and I to be stuck in dead religion. He did all of that so our hearts would be made alive and we would live with passion in our hearts, in our lives. Bow your heads with me. Lord, this is your work. Lord, you're the one that breathes life. You're the one that, that helps us see our, our lives free from the opinions of man, free from comparison. Lord, you, you awaken us to this reality of how you see us. Lord, you're the one that speaks vision. You're the one that has purpose. You're the one that created us this way. And that's your part. Your part is to, to communicate that. Lord, our part is to reject pride and arrogance and to plow up the ground of our hearts saying, God, my heart is soft for you. I'm not going to withhold any part. Lord, would you fill the, the, my life so that I see the work that I do? Would I see it through your purpose? Would you fill the relationships of my life so I see them through your purpose? Lord, wake us. Holy Spirit, wake us from the deadening that happens. Lord, wake us from these places. We don't mean to be asleep, but God, we ask you today to breathe on your people to wake us afresh and anew. Lord, would you speak vision to us? Lord, I pray for every single one. I pray against the, the lies of the enemy that would tell them that it's too late, that season's past, that they've done too much. Whatever his lies sound like, God, I pray that those lies would fall to the ground and that our hearts would reach for you and what you say about us. And Lord, we commit to live from what you say about us and reject what he says about us. God, speak vision, stir us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information or would like to connect with us, visit us at oceanchurch.com. We love you and hope you join us soon online or at one of our campuses located in Southwest Florida.